We, uh, this morning, are going to start a a new series called Be Bold. And what we're going to look at uh, is the book of Acts, and particularly a person in the book of Acts, the apostle Peter. You know, life at times requires boldness. Each of us are going to have moments or seasons or experiences in our life that require courage, require us to step out uh, in uh, like unknown, uncomfortable situations uh, where we can sort of like embrace it or run away from it. And it's true of being a Christian that there's going to be times in your life following Jesus that's going to require you to be bold. And when you look at the story of the early church, which is the book of Acts, Luke and Acts, the gospel of Luke is about Jesus, the story of Jesus. And Acts, really, they should be one book. It's written by Luke. And it shifts from Jesus and then Jesus uh, ascending into heaven. And then the apostles experiencing the Holy Spirit, and then the building of the early Christian church. And Peter is this apostle that, you know, we read in the Gospels. He's, he's kind of a, I've always liked Peter, I think just because um, he's, you see a bit of a mess up that God uses in really powerful ways. And the transformation that happens in Peter is really amazing, because if you look at Peter, and you look at the end of the Gospels when Jesus has been arrested and Peter, like he cares and loves enough about Jesus that he wants to get close, like he wants to be there. And so he, he, he gets into kind of the temple area, but then he is noticed and they're like, aren't you one of his disciples? And the natural reaction, here's a moment that requires boldness. The courageous, bold thing to do was, would, would have been to tell the truth. Yes. To know that that might mean that you might, in a few minutes, be sitting next to Jesus in prison. You might lose your life. And yet he responds in a way that probably many of us would because of the fear. And he says, no, he lies. He betrays Jesus. Um, And yet that's not the end of the story for Peter. Jesus forgives him. Jesus loves him. And Jesus goes as far to say, Peter, you're going to play a significant role in my church. And I, I've got to read this. I don't have it uh, on the screen for you, but we're going to look at Acts 4. But there's this moment where Peter is in front of religious leaders and, and at John 2. And they're, it's like, here's Peter being confronted by uh, this woman in the temple court. And it's like, weren't you with Jesus? And Peter like shies away. We don't even know if that what that woman would have done if he would have told the truth. Maybe she's just like, okay, maybe she would have ran to the authorities. We don't really know. But what we do know is later in Acts, he's standing before the chief priest. He's standing before people who can make decisions about his well-being right then and there. And yet there's a completely different Peter. Like he speaks boldly. It talks about the Holy Spirit works in Peter and he speaks um, boldly. And it says this, when they saw the courage, when they, they meaning the, the chief priests 
and the religious leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see what Jesus does is he takes unschooled, ordinary people and he does astonishing things. So I don't know what you do for a living. I don't know, I mean, I know what some of you do for a living. I don't know what everyone does. I don't know all the situations. I don't know how each of you looks at yourself. If you have, um, you know, like a high, that like you look at yourself highly, or maybe you're here and you look at yourself lowly and you go, I don't, I like, I'm a very small player. Like, no, you know, who am I? Maybe you're trained, maybe you're not trained. Maybe you're schooled, maybe you're not schooled. Regardless, God can use you in astonishing ways. And here's a group, you know, Peter and John, who these chief leaders recognize and they go, here are these unschooled, you know, these are the failures in essence. They did not make their way through Hebrew school and elevate, you know, to a, a position where they were rabbis or could be leaders. And yet something changed, something miraculous changed in these men and they were noticed and they go, wow, unschooled, ordinary people. God is doing extraordinary things through. And that is true of you. And I don't, you know, however you look at yourself or however you feel about things, God wants you to know like the spirit of God can do tremendous things through you. And the call is for us to be bold enough to believe that and embrace that. And so this series is about looking at an ordinary person. I, I think we look at people in the Bible and we just think they're soup. Like, we look at them the same way as Spider-Man, Batman, Captain America. Like, they're these superheroes. And the reality is, a lot of them were messy, broken, hurting, can't get it right people. Like, God is in the business of using ordinary people, broken people, hurting people to do extraordinary things. Why? Because it, ex it exhibits his power, his, his grace, you know, his ability to just take something and make it beautiful. And so Peter is an example of that. Here you have a man, in, you know, denying Jesus, and 40 or so days later, like standing up in front of the people who could have him killed, the same people who had Jesus killed, and like giving it a go, like not afraid anymore. What happened? How do you change? Everything I've read is like habits. You take six weeks to build new habits or break habits. Maybe longer, I don't know. How, do, how like what what creates that sort of change in a person like Peter in his life? And, and the truth is, it's the, it's the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is available to you. That same Holy Spirit is available to me. And the reality is this, the series Be Bold, we're going to look at the Apostle Peter, who didn't just survive tough seasons of life. Uh, God enabled him. And he can enable you to navigate those seasons boldly, courageously. So, uh, each week we're going to look at Peter and um, just boldness and how it was expressed. And this week, and there's no order here, 
So um, it's not like one is more important than the other. Uh, but today we're going to look at bold prayer. There's an amazing uh, prayer that the believers in Peter particularly praise. And um, it's bold. And I think it's, it gives us an example of the type of boldness that you and I can have when we talk uh, when we talk to God. But let me ask you a question. What is the boldest prayer you've ever prayed? Just take a second, take a few seconds, think about that. Can you, can you identify uh, the boldest prayer in your life that you've ever prayed? And, you know, what is it that led you to that prayer or those prayers, those really bold prayers? And, and how many of us, and this isn't wrong, okay? Um, this is, I would, I would say, normal. But how many of us admit that we prayed the bold prayer because we were desperate? Like, I just, I don't, there's no other option here. There's just, there's nothing else I can cling to except to go to God in prayer. Um. Here's the reason that that's not a bad thing. The more you desperately depend on God, the more boldly you will pray. In fact, I think that's the posture when we're called to pray boldly that we should have. As to, to, to like posture ourselves as if there are no other options. That uh, we, we have a posture of desperation when it comes to our prayers. I want to share this, this uh, text in, in Acts 4. Um, and you see a group of people who literally, like, God is, like, the Lord is first line of defense. Prayer is, like, the natural reaction. You know, the reality of things, no matter your schooling, your education, no matter your skill set, no matter your job title, no matter the situation, you can, in every situation, there's one thing you can always do. Pray. You can pray in every single circumstance. So uh, a week or two ago, I was at Target, and I was pulling out of the parking spot, and I um, was starting to drive away, and I looked to my left, and there was two, two ladies. One was older. I sort of assumed it was a mother and her adult child. I don't know if that was the case. But the mother, the older gal, was like bleeding profusely from her nose. And I was, oh my, oh my word, like what? Okay, I felt like I had to do something. So I rolled down the window and like they were, you know, starting to try to kind of, um, you know, stop the bleeding or whatever. And I asked without thinking, can I help? And as I asked it, I go, what am I going to do? <laughs> like... Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of blood. Um, I maybe plug the nose. Like, but is that the right, like, is there good? I don't know. Like, I don't know the medical, like what to do in that situation. I'm not trained. And I realized, and I didn't really want to get bloody, dirty. Like that was selfish on my part. <laughs> um, but the, the daughter just said, no, I think we're, we're okay. But there was like this you know, I think most of us in that situation, we would see that. And there's something in us that goes, we want to help. 
But um, we look at a lot of things or we recognize a lot of things like, oh, I, I'm not, I couldn't help in that situation or I, I'm not trained to help in that situation. Reality is, yeah, you, I'm, you're not or you might not be. And thank goodness for the people that are. But as I drove away, I realized there was something I could have done that I didn't. And that was I could have prayed for her. And I missed that opportunity. But for me, it was like, yeah, I'm not a doctor and I, 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 I'm not a paramedic. Like, I don't know. Um, but regardless, the thing I could have done is I could have prayed with her. And as I drove away, I did pray for her. But I could have got out and like, you know, laid my hand on her and prayed. And that is regardless of your background or your skill set, the one thing you can always do in every situation is pray, is go to God in prayer. And you see a group of people here that I'm going to show you who, who like, they just, this is what they do. It's just part of their DNA as the church. It's just, uh, it, it's their first line sort of of response. And it should be for us. Because God, um, God, God, God shows up when we talk to him. And uh, let, me, let me share with you. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to start in verse 1. On, it said, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So, I mean, again, here's like another act of boldness. Uh, Peter and John are now like going to the temple. It, it would be like you marching into enemy territory. It's a dangerous, it's, a da it's like the worst place to go preach. Go in the desert, maybe put out a good marketing campaign, a social media ad, see if you can get people to go out to the desert, and, and then you're going to be safer there. The one place you don't go is you don't go to the temple. You don't get around the Sadducees, the religious leaders, you don't, you don't mess around with them. Because they've already put one man to death, and they're not afraid to do it again. But that's like, well, for, I mean, the Holy Spirit's like, go there, Peter. Go there, John. And again, here's that shift. Peter's not afraid. There's something that just, like, killed that fear in Peter. That he was bold. And, and I, I think his eyes were opened to, and I'm going to talk about this more next week, but there's this huge, I think there was this paradigm shift in Peter where he's just like, you know, you can take anything from me, including my life, and I win. There's nothing to be afraid of anymore. When Jesus said to us, I didn't get it at the time, but when he said like, you know, don't be afraid, and I'm paraphrasing, don't be afraid what man can do. Like, don't be afraid of who can, you know, disrupt or hurt your body. Like, be afraid of the eternal consequences that come, you know, from rebellion or sin. Like, that's the stuff. That's the bigger picture. And I think Peter just, it just like clicked. And he's like, I, okay, I'll go to the temple, of course. If that's where you want me to go. And the, of course, this upset the priests. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. In the end, they were mad because they were teaching. And they were teaching the proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. 
So we don't let just anybody teach, okay? You have to be elite. You have to be the best of the best. You have to have gone through the, the proper protocols. Uh, you have to have, have met the, the certain requirements. You have to have this schooling. And every step along the way, there was testing. And if you passed the test, you got to keep going. If you failed, you were done. And if you failed, you don't get to, you don't get to teach. God uses extraordinary, schooled, educated men and women. That's how it works. And yet, not true. God can use anyone, and he will use anyone if their hearts are open to it. But they don't like, they don't like that these men are teaching. And so they get on their radar as, you know, a problem that they need to be dealt with. And it goes on that, um, you know, they're proclaim the, the priests are up, upset because they're proclaiming Jesus. They're proclaiming the resurrection of the dead. Um, and Peter and John are arrested. Now let's deal with this. And they're put in jail. And um, they're told, like, oh, they decide not to kill them. But they're like, you need to stop. They threaten them with more punishment death. And at one point, Peter's like, I'm sorry, but um, we have to obey God. Uh, you, I, you know, your threats, fine, you can threaten us, but uh, at the end of the day, we have to obey God, and we must profess Jesus Christ. Peter, uh, bold, Peter's Peter's changed. And they decide not to kill them, and they release them, and they go back to their own people, and they pray. So there's like this amazing answer to prayer that they weren't prayed, but I, listen to this prayer. This is, the, this is their prayer um, that they pray after this scary, like, arrested, could have been killed, but they're released, and they say this, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Here's um, one reason that this prayer, well, not one. Here's why this prayer is so bold. We know that the text tells us that the, the church is, has grown. Five, at least 5,000 men, which meant that it was more. They didn't include women and children in that number. But we know that this small movement of 12 disciples 
has now grown to 5,000 believers. We know that. It says this in the text. And so what you have is you have uh, what was once a small group of people uh, that were probably, you know, they were um, in a lot of ways defenseless probably. Like they didn't have the numbers. They didn't have a lot of like uh, support at their back. But that's not true now. And, and I think we, we, we sort of fail to put this together, like to, re- to, to recognize this. Like uh, Peter and John have a little bit of force at their back now. They have 5,000 converts. And, um, you know, 5,000 men to the Romans was a legion. That's how they, they would, you know, a legion of men was 5,000 warriors. And so Peter and John know they have a legion of men behind their back. And the question is, is that what emboldened them to do all this? You know, I think about how, um, how often is our boldness about having something secure at our back? Like when we have security something holding us up, you know, protection from, from behind, how often is our boldness uh, sort of birthed or motivated by, by that? You know, I'm bold when, with my money when there's a whole lot behind me. Or, um, you know, I'm bold, I can be bold on social media when I have, you know, 5,000 followers And when we have that sort of backing, we might be more emboldened to speak out. Or I've got a lot of, you know, I'm highly educated. I have uh, a number of degrees. I have good grades that are at my back. Like, if you have that, you might be more emboldened to speak up. Or maybe you have a legion of friends uh, behind you. And you're going to be bold to do, you know, like, whatever it takes to keep them. You know, the point is, how, like, how much of our boldness is because of the security behind us? And th- that is the question. I think it's, it's, a, it's a worthy question of asking in this text. Are Peter and John, are the, does their boldness stem from the legion of men that they have behind them? And, you know, there, I would think that there would have been voices within this legion of, of people, of early converts, who would have been calling for the legion of men to take up arms. we got 5,000 people now. Like, we're not, a, we're not a joke anymore. We're not, like, we are now, like, big enough to at least punch back. And I wonder if during all this, you know, there was talks of revolution, I wonder if there was talks of taking up arms, of fighting back, punching back. But the prayer shows us that Peter and John do not find their boldness in the legion of men who have their back. Because they've realized, they've seen that no legion of men behind you can compare to God being for you and with you. They do not turn to the the legion of men behind them. They They do not turn to arms or revolution. They turn to God in prayer. 
I mean, this is the reason that this prayer is so bold. With all that they have behind them, they turn to God. Um, I want to share the outline. You see in this prayer sort of an outline that I think can help us learn and, and practice prayer. So um, the first is God you are. They start their prayer by just professing the greatness of God. In verse 25, you know, um, God, you are God and I'm not. You are God and look at all that you've created. You are the author of life. You are in control. You're bigger than I can even grasp. What that does is it puts God in the rightful position that he deserves as God. And bold prayer gives God praise. Bold prayer gives God credit first. It's not me. It's not us. It's not what's behind me. It's you, God. So start your bold prayer. God, you are. It positions God in the rightful place, and that is first and at the top. The second is they go, God, you said, and they, they quote texts from the Old Testament. That's in verse 26. And bold prayer isn't afraid to tell God what he said. It feels a little weird. Um, but I, you know, and I, I felt, I remember like I started doing this with my son and some things that I'm still praying for healing for, for him. But I, I, I remember feeling like I had permission to do this. And at the beginning, it felt weird. But I, I, I would be like, I'd be praying. And I'd be like, God, you, Jesus, you said, like, come to me, all who are weary, and you will give rest. My son needs it. You said it. You promised it. And, and like, it's sort of like, I didn't. You did. And I felt like, ugh. And there's a feeling of calling God out that just doesn't, like, I feel like I'm going to get smacked. Like, talk, you know. You don't talk back to God. Yet, like, the reality is all through Scripture, you see this sort of lamenting prayer that we have permission to do. Like, God can handle your honest feelings. I hate to say it. Actually, I love to say it. But he can. He can handle your honest feelings, and you have permission. Lay it out. Bold prayer just is honest. It lays it out. And you can quote what God has said. And there's sort of precedent for, like, God being like, yeah, I did say that. You know, like, Abraham, he, uh, he fought with God about, about Sodom. Wasn't it Sodom and Gomorrah, right? You know, there's just, like, this conversation, like, yeah, you should, you know, like, almost some negotiation going on. Like, you, like, it's okay. Don't, like, let go of whatever rules you've been taught or created in your head about prayer. It's one of the biggest problems the church has, in my mind, with prayer, is we've created rules that then create standards, that then create good prayers. No, you all can do it. It's talking to God, and there's a lot more freedom in it than maybe you believe. But bold prayer says, God, you said this, so do it. Then it goes on. Here's what's happening. And this is verses 27 through 30. Like, we're getting threats. We're being threatened. 
like, this is the reality of things. Like, we're going, we're obedient, but we're getting, we're getting pushback. And I think it's important for us, like, I, you know, I don't, some of you are verbal processors, others of you aren't. I am a verbal processor. I got to get it out. I like this part of prayer because it's like, God, here it is. I need to tell you about it. And that's why we talk about personal relationship with God. It's, it's, he wants to be a part of your life where you can say to him, like you would a good friend, here's what's happening. Here's what's, here's what's going on. Here are, here's the reality of things. And bold prayer is you have permission to bring God into every sphere of your life. And just tell him honestly about what's going on. But then we get to this last part that's amazing, and that is in verse 29 and 30. Um, it says, consider their threats. Now, if you have God at your back, uh, you have unlimited resources to help you in your life. Like, we just, I mean, we have God. And they say, they, they, in their prayer, they go, consider their threats. Like, they're against your servants, God. And what, when they, what, how could that prayer have ended? Consider their threats, God, and smite them. Take them out. Send fire from heaven. Do you remember that, that, that story where the disciples actually asked Jesus, do you want us to call fire down from heaven? Like, that, they, that, like that's kind of where their head would go. <laughs> but it's where we would go, too. People hurt us. People let us down. Um, we, 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 want, we don't want good for our enemies. We want bad. There's a feeling of justice that, can, that we imagine comes with revenge. And yet, here's... Uh, Here's what they say. Uh, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. The the prayer was not God, uh, you know, destroy them, smite them. It was enable us, your servants, to speak with, with boldness. God, don't destroy them, empower us. That is, like, there it is. Don't destroy them. Empower us. Empower us to do your will. Empower us to be your people. Empower us to speak and profess and evangelize. Empower us to bring healing. Empower us to bring you glory in the way that we live. That's bold prayer. As the band comes up, I'll just, I'll leave you with this. Um, you know, there's a, you can take this, this sort of structure, and it's a great way to practice and, and pray. Um, but in your heart, what if you started to pray as if God was your only option? Even if you have other options. Pray, and pray even when there are other options. 
And in a lot of situations, we're blessed that there are other options. You know, like we, we have tremendous health care, um, but that shouldn't stop us from asking God for miraculous healing. So pray for it, even if there are other options. But even, like, be so bold and aggressive to pray as if God is the only option. And God shows up, and God does cool things. And prayer is really about us joining God and being a part of the cool things God's doing. So I am... That's an invitation for all of us. And I remember, unschooled, ordinary men and women can be a part of that. God loves using people that are the underdogs. He loves using people who are hurt and broken. It just brings him more joy and glory. So you're invited regardless of where you're at. Uh, we're going to sing a couple songs, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite uh, our overseers, and I'm going to be up here, and we'll just be up here. If we can pray with you during these next two songs or pray for you, we're available. But, um, and that's the other thing. Uh, don't, don't be afraid. Just don't. Don't. We miss out, I think. I, I, I think we miss out when the fear of, like, going up, what are people going to think of me? Or maybe my request isn't like uh, serious enough. Just don't. Don't let that stuff creep in. Like God wants, God wants to hear and we want to pray for you. So just, we're there. We're there if you want prayer this morning. And uh, with that, stand, let's sing.